Thank you again for being here this weekend. If you, if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, you can turn with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so uh, you could either click to, turn to. If you, if you read the scripture on a mobile device, electronic device, that's okay. The, the fact is the Bible says very clearly that in church you can read the Bible from an electronic device, but you just can't text or Facebook. How's that? It says it very clearly. And so I want to talk to you this morning as we just carry you on a journey about the life, the death, and the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you, just, when you start reading what experts tell us, experts tell us that there have been over 100 billion people who have lived on planet Earth. That includes the 7 billion people that are on planet Earth today. And yet, here we are. Here's what brought us to, to this place. We're still talking about one man Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And when you just start thinking about all the songs that have been written and, and the poems and the arts, the art and the architecture and, and movements and monuments that have built in his honor and the, the churches. And we're still talking about this one man. Fact is, when you look at Time Magazine, Time Magazine over the last seven decades has put Jesus Christ on the cover 21 times. That's far more than any celebrity. That's far more than any political leader. Please do not tell President Trump. <laughs> but Jesus Christ has been on the cover of Time magazine for over 21 times. And yet there are still people who will say that I believe Jesus Christ is a great teacher, but I'm not really sure about that God thing. I'm not really sure about that thing that he died and was resurrected. He died and he, he rose again. I mean, after all, I mean, I think he was a good person. I think, he was a, I think he was a great teacher. Fact is, I love some of the teachings of Jesus Christ. But to be honest with you, I'm not so sure about that God thing. Like just being a good teacher would leave this kind of legacy. So if we value the teachings of Jesus Christ, the least we should do is look at the death and the burial and the resurrection, which is central to the Christian faith. Christianity, and you know this, often gets criticized that we're just a bunch of mindless people, non-thinking people who just simply believes what anyone tells us. There are people that will say that we believe the scriptures that are no longer accurate, no longer reliable. fact is they've gone through so many revisions that we no longer have the same scripture that the apostles had and they can't be trusted. Some will say that you just look at science and you just look at the medical world and, and they have proven the, the Bible wrong and everybody else is like smarter than us. And so we just do Christian things because we don't want to get in trouble with God or we want to kind of release our guilt or, or maybe it's, it's a crutch. But I, I submit to you this morning that the evidence of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ are factual statements in Scripture and in historical documents. And so here's what the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some had fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last, all, last of all, as to one ultimately born, he also appeared to me. I mean, in their day, when the scriptures was written, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was just common knowledge. 
Fact is, everybody had known and knew that he had been crucified, he was buried, and then on the third day that he rose again. Fact is, when you look at writings of Josephus and some of the historians of their day, even non-believers, non-followers of Christ in their day knew that it was a historical fact that Jesus was resurrected. And so there's some undisputable facts about the life of Jesus Christ from Scripture, from historical documents, and even medical evidence that we're going to look at today support this. So today I want to give you the three parts of the gospel because the gospel is central to our faith. And the first part is this, is, is he died. Jesus Christ died. There is no doubt that this happened because of what Scripture says. And you know what, really for me, that's enough. But also what history history re uh, reveals and historical books reveal of their time and medical reports. In March the 21st, 1986, there was an interesting study, interesting medical report or article that was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. You may know this is the initials J-A-M-A. -A. You may have seen this document in a, in a doctor's office in, in their waiting room. And so this is not a Christian publication, and I don't mean that as criticism. I just mean it's, it's, it's just factual. It's not a Christian publication. And so got, doctors got together, and they decided to do a medical report on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Did it really happen? Did the death really happen, as Scripture says, and as history records? And so they used Scripture, and they used historical documents of their day. And so we know that when they crucified Jesus Christ, they were, they were no longer putting spikes in the palm of the hand. They were putting spikes in the wrist. The wrist is still considered part of the hand. So I want to gu gu guide you through a couple of diagrams from the JAMA from their report, and they're going to come up on the screen as I talk. The first is the picture of, of, of the hand. This, again, is from the, the Journal of the American Medical Association. Uh, you, can, you can look this document up yourself. All you have to do is ask the Google. The Google loves to answer questions like that. And so it's, it's interesting reading. And so they would, they would take and they would put the spike in the wrist. And the reason that the Romans did that, and the Romans perfected this, and the reason that they did that was because they could put the spike between the the two bones in the wrist, and the person could not get off of the cross. See, they only started doing this 30 years prior to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Before this, the Romans would put the spike in the palm of the hand, and because of the soft tissue, an individual was able to work themselves off of the cross, and they would escape. So the Romans found that if they would put the spikes in the wrist, it supported the weight better of the individual. They could not get off the cross, and it would actually cause more pain to the individual. And they could put it in the wrist, and they would miss an artery. In other words, the individual would not bleed to get death because the Romans wanted to die a very painful death. And the Romans had become masters of this. And according to the medical journal, according to the medical report, when they put the spikes in the wrist, it would serve, sever a main nerve, which would cause the hand to wither, which would cause the hand to draw up, which would cause excruciating pain from the shoulder down to the wrist. Fact is, a lot of our English words we get from Greek words. And fact is, the, the English word excruciating comes from the Greek word to crucify. Excruciating pain. Then, they would take spikes and they would put it in through the feet. And they have another picture here where they would put the spike into the feet. 
And so they, they could take and put the spike in the feet, in the, the soft tissue. In fact, this this afternoon when you go home, you take your shoes off, you can feel the top of your foot, and you can find that soft place. That they could put a spike in that soft tissue without breaking any bones. Again, according to histor- historical documents, the Romans had only been doing this for about 30 years. The reason they, wanted to, they, they did this is because they wanted the person's weight to be on their hands and their feet only. Then we have a diagram of him on the cross. And when you look at this diagram and you you realize that the only way that an individual could inhale and exhale, the only way that an individual could breathe when he was on the cross is to pull up on the spikes on his wrist and push up on the spikes on his feet. It was the only way to open the diaphragm. It was the only way that an individual was able to breathe. Fact is, please remember, before this, Jesus Jesus has been scourged. He had been beaten. And you can imagine the excruciating pain on his back every time he pulled up and relaxed. Fact is, when you look at historical documents, you realize that people could live for days on the cross. There's some evidence that people live for four days on the cross. That's why eventually they would come along and they would break the legs of someone hanging on the cross because they they wanted them to go ahead and die. And according to historical documents and medical reports, once the legs were broken in an individual, they they died within, within minutes. See, people did not die from the loss of blood on the cross. They would suffocate when they would come and break the legs, and they would break both legs. But, but Jesus, Jesus did not suffocate, and they did not break his legs. Here's what it says in John chapter 19, verse 32. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of of the first, talking about the criminals on one side and the other, and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with 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 a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. It's medical evidence. Verse 35, he who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, and they will look on him who they have pierced. And according to medical reports, it shows how they put the spear in the side of Jesus. Here's a diagram of his his heart. And so they most likely... They most likely put a spear on the right side of his body through the, through the right lung and into the, into the heart. And the medical report reveals and says because it went through the right side of the heart and blood and water came out, it, it proves, medically it proves two things. One, that Jesus was already dead. Two, that Jesus died in layman's term of a burst heart or many times what we would refer to as a as a broken heart. Remember, Jesus is the one that says, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down willingly. 700 years before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, it was told in the book of Isaiah and in historical documents that one day a Messiah will come, he will die for our sins, and none of his bones shall be broken. And according to the medical report, Jesus Christ was already dead since blood and water came out of his heart, which proves, 
This proves that he was already dead. Second part of the gospel is this, is that, that he was buried. He died, and then he was buried. We know Jesus' body was placed in a tomb, and it was heavily, heavily guarded because the last thing that the Romans wanted to happen is for Jesus to be resurrected or for him to come back. And so, but there's, there's three people, there's three individuals that we're going to look at that when they looked at the evidence, when they responded to the tomb, that they had, they had next steps, which we all have next steps. And maybe we can relate to one of their responses. Maybe, maybe we can relate to how they related and how they responded to this. Because the truth of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ causes for each one of us a response. Jesus died and he was placed in a tomb. John chapter 20 verse 1 says this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early and while it was still dark and saw that the, to- the, the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there in the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and, and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. When you look at these three individuals, when you look at Mary Magdalene and, and the Apostle John and, and Simon Peter, you realize that they, they responded differently. When you just go back and think about the story and you look at, at Mary, you realize that Mary initially looked from a distance. She saw that they had rolled the stone away, the, the stone had been taken away, and so she only looked, she only saw from a distance. She is not up close, but she looks in the direction of the empty tomb. She thinks maybe someone has stolen the body, She's a little bit fearful. She's an amazing lady, and I just want to remind you, there are a lot of Marys in the Bible. This is not the Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is Mary Magdalene. And she was at the foot of the cross, and now she's at the tomb. And later on, Jesus would appear to her in his resurrected body. But Mary, Mary is looking from a distance. And you may, you may be here today, and you know what? You're, you're looking from a distance. This is a celebration of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you know what? You are just kind of checking things out, and I want you to know you are welcomed here. You're just checking things out, and, and maybe, maybe a lot of us, we came from a lot of different backgrounds. For some of you, may, maybe a friend invited you. So for some of you, it was maybe from social media or some of the advertising that we've done. Some of you, you may have been threatened by your mom, like you better not miss this on Easter Sunday. Some of you are here because of tradition. Some of you may have even been tricked into coming. You thought you were going to an Easter egg hunt at the event center, and you ended up in a worship service. We come from all different backgrounds in life. We come from different places in life. We come from different politics. We come from different religions, and we come from different backgrounds. Some of you, you believe deeply in God, and others of you don't. Some of you, you may not be sure about God. Some of you may be Republicans, and some of you may be Democrats. Some of you may be Tea Party people, and some of you just like to party. And <laughs> some of you may be Oakland Raider fans, and some of you don't even own a gun. 
I'm sorry. That just did that. I, the, <laughs> so let me just say something real quick because many of you may not know me. You may be going, oh, that guy's hardcore. Uh, our church is like open to everyone, even Oakland Raider fans. So if you're a fan, we're glad you're here. You need Jesus. And uh, <laughs> you know what? Some of you may be Dallas Cowboy fans. Other of you have won a Super Bowl. Others of you have won a Super Bowl in the like 20, last 20 years. And so uh, we're all different, right? And, and here, here's, what I, here's what I believe. I believe whatever brought you here this morning, whatever circumstance you're in, it is not an accident that you're here. God wants to do something in your life. See, that's the importance of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And listen, this day is important to us. Why would a church spend so much money for one service, would relocate, would set up? You know why, you know why that is? Because we care about your spiritual journey. We care about your relationship with God. And God wants to do something in your life today. This is why we go to these extremes. And so there was, there was Mary in her response, but then there was, also, there was also the apostle John, and there was also Simon Peter. Simon Peter and John, they like run to the tomb, and, and then, then John gets there, and he like, he like stops. He, he, he doesn't go in. And he waits a little while. Maybe he needs more information before he goes in. You see, see Mary looked from a distance, but, but John, he stops, and he just, he just peeks in. He just looks in. And John pauses before going in. John is just looking in, and he's, he's looking. He's looking at some of the evidence in the tomb. He's looking at the, the grave clothes, but he's not going in, and there are some theologians that believe that the reason that he didn't go in is he didn't want to defile himself by going into the tomb. But maybe, maybe it was something else. And maybe, maybe you're here this morning. And maybe there's somebody in this room and you know in your heart that you're just kind of pausing or you're looking from a distance. And maybe you know that you should be in church more. You know that in your heart you, you want to be in church more. You, you want to... You want to know God in a deeper way. You, you, you want to have that experience with him. And so for whatever reason, you're pausing and looking in. And that, that I just want you to know that, that God wants to meet you right where you are. And God wants to carry you in a deeper relationship with him. But for whatever reason, you, you, you're pausing. I mean, you, you've got your priorities, and life is busy. I mean, you, man, you're busy on the weekends, and you have, you have soccer, and you have practice, and then you have hobbies, and you have all these other things that are just like taking up your time. And if, you, if you're honest, it's just, it's just not a priority to you. That's one of the reasons, Fellowship the Rockies, we have four services over the weekend, Saturday night, 6, and Sunday, 9, 1045, and 1230, to give you as many options as possible on your spiritual journey. And so you, you look in from time to time. But honestly, it's not a priority in your life. And so Mary was looking from a distance, and, and John was, was pausing and just looking in. But then you look, at, you look at Simon Peter, and Simon Peter is like all in. I mean, Simon Peter was this guy that was like all in from the start. He says, I, I'm going to run. I'm going to run to the tomb, and I'm not going to look from a distance, and I'm not going to stop, and I'm not going to pause on the opening of the tomb. I am going in. And so when you look at Simon Peter, you realize he's one of these guys, and he would say, you know what? I'm all in. And Simon goes into the empty tomb, and like the only thing that are there are the grave clothes. And maybe, maybe you're here this morning, you know, you'd say, you know what? I, I'm all in. 
I mean, I'm living the resurrected life, and I'm walking with Jesus to the very best of my ability. That doesn't mean you're perfect, and that doesn't mean I'm perfect. And you're not looking from a distance, and you're not looking in from time to time, but it's a priority in your life, and you're living a life that it does not matter what comes up, that you've already settled that for yourself, that this is a non-negotiable that I am going to follow him and I'm going to press into him to the very best of my ability. See, there's three parts of the gospel. There's he's died, he was buried, and the third and the last part, part is this, is he is risen. And it's one of the most important parts of the gospel. And he is risen, and that's what brings us here today. And see, John didn't... John did wait to go into the tomb and he saw the place where they had laid Jesus in the tomb and it, it was empty and then all of a sudden John notices and we're going to understand this in a few moments but John notices the linen he notices the linen cloth that covered Jesus's head and, 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 and then he saw it as scripture says he believed John 20 verse 8 and 9 says this then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and he believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Now listen, theologians have argued through the years, and we don't need to get caught up in that, but theologians have argued through the years, is why did Jesus leave the, his grave clothes? Was there some theological significance? Was there some significance? And here's, here's what I believe. It was a message to the Jewish culture. It was a message to them. See, Jewish tradition teaches this. That when you had a meal and you weren't quite and when you had a meal and you were finished with your meal that you would simply take your napkin you would wad it up and place it in the center of your plate and it was a signal to the servants it was a signal to the waiter or the waitress that you're done take your meal but if you nicely folded up your napkin and you laid it in the center of the plate it was a signal to the servants, don't take my plate, I will return. Maybe, just maybe, the reason Jesus folded up that cloth, and when Simon Peter saw it, when John saw it, when Mary saw it, they realized, he's coming back, he's coming back, that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and not only that he's coming back see see this issue what second corinthians chapter 15 tells us this issue of the gospel that he he died he was buried and he and he has risen is central to our faith it is central to everything about our faith and so so this morning i i just want to challenge you to be all in with god not just looking in from a distance not just pausing to look in from time to time but to be all in with him Mary looked from a distance, but all of a sudden, her response, see, the, the crucifixion and, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ demands a response for every one of us. And she looked in from a distance, but then she responded and she was all in. John, he paused, looked at the evidence, and he was all in. And Simon Peter was one of those guys that was all in from the beginning. Listen, let me, let me just tell you, you be very, very clear this morning. You cannot be a Christian according to Scripture without believing in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Here's what it says. Here's what the scripture says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Because if you confess with your heart that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want to challenge you this morning to be all in with Jesus. Are you willing to take a next step? Wherever you are, I, I want to help you to take that next step. I want to help you to be all in with him. I want you to believe in your heart. We've looked at historical evidence. We've looked at medical evidence. We've looked at the scriptures. And you have more than enough information to make this decision. The angel, the angel told Mary this, Matthew chapter 28, verse 6. The scripture says this, he is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him, which we're going to do in a few minutes. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. For there they will see me. I folded the cloth. I will return. And you will see me in resurrected form. And so let me ask you this morning, are you looking from a distance? Or from time to time, did you just pause to look in when it's convenient? Or are you like Simon Peter and you're all in? There's a next step for every one of us wherever we are this morning. Would you bow your heads with me and would you close your eyes? And then with your heads bowed, eyes closed, and the only reason we ask for heads bowed, eyes closed is just so you're not distracted. We're, we're just so easily distracted in the culture in which we live. And so with your heads bowed, eyes closed, we just have a time between you and the Lord. And let me ask you again, are you looking from, from a distance? Do you pause to look in from time to time, but it really has no priority in your life? Or are you all in? Listen, there's a next step for every one of us, regardless of where we are in that process. And so maybe this morning, maybe, maybe this would be the first time that you saw and believed. Could I just lead you in a prayer and you pray this silently to yourself? That today, if you'd start a, like to start a relationship with Jesus Christ and know that you have eternal life, would you simply tell him and pray to him say dear Lord Jesus I ask that you forgive me of my sins that you give me the gift of eternal life and father to the very best of my ability 
I'm going to follow you. I, I believe. I believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I believe it's possible to live with hope. I believe it's possible to live with joy regardless of what I walk through. And so right now, I'm asking you. I'm asking you to come into my life. And I, I'm going to press into you and I'm going to follow you. Maybe you're like John. And maybe you know that you're a believer. And so maybe, maybe your conversation is different with him. And maybe you need to say, Lord, I'm committing to you right now. This is going to be a priority, a priority in my life. It's going to be a priority in my family. Lord, I need you. This is a crazy, mixed-up world. And, Father, I, I need you. I just need you. And maybe you just need to have that conversation with him. And maybe you're like Simon Peter and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm all in. Then maybe your commitment this morning is, God, I'm, 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 pressing, I'm pressing in even deeper to you. When I saw those images, when I saw what you did for me on the cross, Father, how could I not but live a sacrificial life? And so in just a few minutes, just as the disciples did, when they saw the, the empty tomb and the resurrection, they worshiped him. We're going on a journey together, and we're going to worship him. And maybe today you're going to worship him afresh and anew as Pastor Chad and the worship team leads you. Before we do, let me pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for the power and the forgiveness of sin. Father, we thank you that regardless of what we walk through, when we're a believer, we always have hope. And we have hope in you. And so, Father, now as we worship you, would we worship the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, fresh and new. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.